0: Have you ever wondered to yourself what happens when you take two brothers, add a couple beers, and add the Bible? Well, you get the grain offering. Hey, let's spend some time in God's Holy Word, looking for Hot takes a beer that's cold They go together Like pasta and meatballs They're undeterred Bringing you God's holy word Holy word It's a grain offering Bringing you God's holy word Welcome back to The Grain Offering for the second episode of Genesis. Turns out, uh, my my brother and I, Jeremy, uh, ended up talking too long for the first one because our plan was to do one book of the Bible per episode and, you know, make our way through the Bible. But uh, once we started talking about Genesis, we realized we should probably split it up into a couple episodes. So, yes. Jeremy, turns out we are. Turns out there's a lot in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot more than uh, I remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, so Jeremy, uh, what are we doing here?
1: We are talking about the Bible over the casual brew. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to deepen our brotherhood, deepen our uh, theology together. Mm-hmm. Um, and share some laughs along the way.
0: Yeah, that's actually a perfect description of what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, Jeremy, why have we chosen to call it the grain offering? So.
1: Uh, The grain offering comes out of the book of Leviticus um, as well as probably Deuteronomy. should probably brush up on that. So you'll get a a more in-depth answer in a few episodes. But um, the the long and short of it is it's a niche uh, Levitical law reference Mm -hmm. that uh, I would venture a guess and say most Christians have no clues in the Bible.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like how you said it's a, it's a niche thing because one of the things about uh, you and me is we find those really weird, obscure passages in the Bible and uh, we, we run with it. In fact, uh spoiler alert, when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, we're going to focus uh, a little chunk of of the grain offering episode on uh our favorite verse Deuteronomy 25 11 and 12. So uh, if you're you interested in reading ahead, go ahead and read those passages and uh, we'll talk about it once we get to Deuteronomy. Or so maybe uh, they'll
1: read it and uh, and and not come back. Depending that's, on.
0: that's true. Uh, that being right, said, go. don't don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to our channel. And uh, You know, unsubscribe if you don't like us, but you know, whatever. It's up to you. Yeah, um, See you. never. Yeah, see you never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so when we last left off, well, first of all, let's uh let's dive back into our beers. Um so mm-hmm. for the uh, for Genesis, I have chosen a uh Weizenbach. Um it has a really really long name. I don't know if you can see that or not, but it's uh v- let me see. Vihen Stefaner Vitus. Uh this particular beer comes from one of the oldest breweries in uh production. Uh it comes from Oh gosh. Uh, of course, I'm not going to remember it now. Anyway, the the point being is it comes from a German distillery in, uh, I believe it's the Ruhr, Ruhr Valley. Um, and it's been in production since I think the 800s, 800, 900s. So it started as a monastery. They started brewing. Uh, this is one of the oldest recipes uh, still in production. So this is the beer that I have chosen for Genesis. Uh, what about you, Jeremy? What beer are you uh, sipping on today? So i come
1: to- Come back uh, with a very theologically sound uh,
0: fat tire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to put you on the hot seat later of uh, why you chose that particular beer. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, as you can see, I've already uh, popped the top off mine. And that's because um, this was a much larger beer than I remember it. So I actually saved some from last week uh so i'm or last time we filmed um so i'm gonna enjoy it so jeremy go ahead and uh, crack yours open let's uh go ahead and uh cheers cheers here we go let's uh let's dive in okay so um just to recap from last week's or last time's episode i keep saying last week but that's because i do a weekly vlog and that's just (laughs) how i'm wired to remember um Last time we talked, we did the first half of Genesis, and we talked about how Genesis is split into seven different major story arcs, uh, that being the creation narrative, the fall, uh, the flood, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So as, as we were going throughout the episode, we started talking, and we started talking, and we kept talking, and we kept talking, and we kept talking. <laughs> Turns out we didn't get through all of them. We got through Abraham, and we, answered, uh, we asked this question, why did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son. So with that being said, let's talk about Abraham's son, uh, Isaac. So the story of Isaac takes place in chapters 21 through 26 of Genesis. And, uh, Isaac's narrative is, is really interesting. Um, because it, it, I feel like Isaac is the, <laughs> I know he's a patriarch of Israel, but like, it doesn't seem like he's a major patriarch, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's no big dog yeah he's no big dog, that's right. Moses is the big dog. <laughs> Moses is the big dog.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, because i I know Abraham is like a big deal um because mm-hmm. I was I'm actually teaching through the Gospel of Matthew for my high schoolers right now, and uh, one of the things that uh, Matthew says at the very beginning of his gospel in in verse number one is uh this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham so abraham is a is a big deal um especially in in the new testament um and we talked a little bit last time too jeremy, about the importance of genealogy right yeah so uh refresh our memory why why is genealogy so important um
1: it's uh, instant uh i was going to say gratification that's wrong <laughs> um it, it it's in it's um a way of legitimizing one's spot in society Mm. um last time i made the description that it's a lot like royal blood that you see in in um you know medieval england and being Mm. able to trace your lineage to royal blood and and having royal blood is just much better than than peasant blood in that Mm -hmm. uh Mm. time and place in history um and something i thought of um. after that i didn't share but i'll share this time is you can even see that today in the u.s with um kind of legacy politics mm. um, and just you know some of the mainstays in, in in the political world that we find ourselves in right and uh, do you have
0: an example of that um yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> not not putting you on the spot or anything.
1: <laughs> well, I you know I think of some of the bigger names like like Kennedy or Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, those their presidencies obviously they had um, strong uh, followings, but also their kin mm-hmm. um, often continued their political career. I just mm-hmm. listened to. Um, a podcast last week that um, Donald Trump Jr. is, is quite possibly going to be a mainstay in the political, um, Mm. political sphere. um, Yeah, regardless of how this uh, upcoming election goes.
0: Right. And that's actually interesting. You bring that up in terms of American politics, because i was that that came uh to to my mind too especially in watching the the republican national convention and just you know for for better or for worse like whatever your political um ideology or stances it it doesn't really matter but the point being that uh the rnc a, a lot of the speakers were trump's children so this idea of incorporating the family into it, it it's almost making a political legacy uh, yeah. like building it into your your family and to yeah. to back what you said uh too about the kennedys and, and the lincolns i would say the roosevelts as well um yeah. but the kennedys in particular um so for those of you who don't know i am an american historian first uh and then a pastor second because well let me rephrase <laughs> i study american history here <laughs> I studied American history first because I wanted to be a history professor and then God called me to pastoral ministry. So then I studied theology. But the point being is uh, the Kennedy's um, John F. Kennedy president in the 1960s was uh, considered almost American royalty. Um, If you look back at at most of the history books and and how historians portray the Kennedy family, it is almost a American royalty where they are seen as, this, this, you know, gracing the presence of people. Um, His presidency was uh, also known to usher in what was called uh, the age of Camelot.
2: Camelot, Camelot, Camelot.
0: It's only a model. Um, Because it was this, just this, Kennedy was a young, uh, uh, young president from a very well-established family, and he was ushering in this new era of prosperity into the United States, all, all that stuff. But, but yeah, the, the Kennedy family is, is one of the mainstays in American politics. Um, so I agree. I, I think that lineage plays a huge role in America. Um, it also plays a huge role in, in European patriarchs, like you were saying. Um, and we see it playing a huge role in, in the Bible, um because like i said the gospel of matthew starts off with linking jesus to david and abraham now those are two big dogs <laughs> in in israelite history not as big as moses but but still um you know just big players in the old testament right right so all right so like i said uh the story of isaac uh abraham's son takes place in genesis chapters 21 through 26 and uh the the big question I have. <laughs> well, look at that. I uh, I didn't write down a question for Isaac. <laughs> I mean, it,
1: showed, it I mean, that in and of itself can kind of paint a picture of Isaac's legacy mm-hmm. in the Book of Genesis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it, it's kind of tough. Isaac is just kind of like a gateway right player to. To his sons right um um, which then are gateway players to joseph right which then is a whole gateway to the book of exodus
0: (laughs) right Um, and like you were saying last time genesis is really just a, a prequel to exodus right yeah yeah now let me ask you this um what is important about isaac's legacy if if anything i mean he's he's in there for a reason so what do you think the reason is that isaac's legacy is is there i you know you think about it isaac really is a fulfillment
1: of uh, god's covenant Mm -hmm. um isaac is the descendant of abraham Mm -hmm. and abraham's covenant with god is that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars as numerous as the sand on the shore Right. Um, and Isaac is the beginning of that promise fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the New Testament, we talk a lot about or f- not in, but it both in and from the New Testament. We talk about the, the here, but not yet. That's a mm-hmm. big dissonant uh, part of theology. And I, right. and I don't mean dissonant with any kind of negative connotation there, just sure.
0: the reality sure. of that parallel. Now um, for for those of you who don't know what what Jeremy's talking about here is there's this there's this theological understanding of kind of this here but not yet mentality and we see it especially manifested when Jesus talks about the the kingdom of God where it says you know the kingdom of God has come but it's not yet fulfilled so we're kind of in this weird in-between stage where you know when the lord's prayer uh let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so there's, there's a little bit of heaven breaking out on earth, but it's not fully complete yet until Jesus returns. So it's this idea that we are currently in the kingdom of God, uh, Christ has conquered death and, and sin, and we're awaiting the coronation of Jesus at the second coming. So we're in this in-between stage where the kingdom is expanding, where we're sharing the gospel with people, we're going out and, and uh, welcoming people into the kingdom uh, before Jesus returns and solidifies his rule. So it's this, this, it's here, but it's not yet type, type thing. So that's what Jeremy was talking about. So right. sorry to interrupt. Go, go ahead.
1: Right. I mean, and that's, that's spot on because in this circumstance, Isaac is the here mm-hmm. and the, the infinite numbers are the not yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if that's um a full <laughs> description of Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm sure there's things that we're forgetting about Isaac as well.
0: Yeah, and, and Isaac plays, like that's not to say Isaac doesn't play an important role, because he does. Um, I mean, right. every, every biblical character, their story is included because it is an important story. Um, and I think, as I was thinking through this, um, I think one of the things that I, I can draw out of the story of Isaac again more has to do with Abraham and Sarah than it does with Isaac and uh, what I mean by that is we know that Isaac is the fulfillment of this this covenant that God made with Abraham but I think Isaac also shows what happens when we try to force a covenant to happen or we force God to to fulfill his his promise to us by other means and and what I mean by that is you know Abraham and Sarah are really really old when the angel of the lord tells them you're gonna have a son and you know it's gonna your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky like we said they actually laugh at that um the, the travelers the heavenly travelers that come and visit with abraham tell him that and then sarah's off in, in the other room and she's she's laughing because she just what are you talking about and then my favorite story about that whole exchange is sarah's like no i didn't i wasn't laughing <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, the point being is what happened was, uh, Sarah was super old and she was just like, this is impossible. Uh, let's, let's try and figure out how this is going to work. So I believe it's, it's Hagar, right? That is the, the, the slave girl. Um, so they, Sarah takes Hagar and says, go, go sleep with Abraham because I'm, I'm too old for this covenant to be fulfilled. So it has to be fulfilled some way. So Hagar becomes pregnant. And she gives birth to Ishmael and Ishmael is the firstborn, is the firstborn of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So you would think that Ishmael would be the fulfillment of this, this promise, but that's not what God had, had said would happen. He said that Sarah would become pregnant. So when Sarah becomes pregnant with Isaac, all of a sudden the relationship between her and Hagar goes south really, really quickly. And she ends up hating her, sending her away, Uh, trying to uh, discredit her all that stuff and what what's fascinating is is that sarah wanted the the covenant to be fulfilled like she she wanted abraham and her to to have a son and to raise him and to have it be the blessing that god intended but the way that she went about it was trying to force it to happen as opposed to relying and being faithful uh to what god had said um so i think this, the story of how Isaac came to be is a story in um, what happens when we are impatient with God and we, we look at God and like, Oh, that's impossible. You can't possibly do that. I mean, am, am I wrong? Like, what, what do you think?
1: No, I think that's fair. I think that there are strong intentional tones in the story that, you know, God ha- has his plan for how things are going to go mm-hmm. and the characters in the Bible. And we can often uh, get a little um, ahead of ourselves and right. try to make that plan happen ourselves. Right. Um, which in the biblical narrative um, often backfires or at least has repercussions that are um Heart very tangible i would say right right um which i think isaac is actually another good uh pivot point for us um, to talk about another larger theme that you see throughout the book of genesis yeah um, yeah yeah and i have i have some theories on why this is um Ooh, but spicy but but <laughs> it's odd because in genesis there's at least three times that i can think of where um a couple has children um mm-hmm. two to be specific
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there's conflict between them between the oldest and the youngest yeah um now similar to what we were kind of talking about last time this is not not foreign to Ancient Near Eastern literature. This is a very common mm-hmm. kind of theme, a common trope, throughout mm-hmm. um, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not surprising that you know the Isaac and Ishmael have beef. It's not surprising that Isaac's kids have have beef with one another with one another.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that's largely in part because of this overarching theme, but also again the possibility that Abraham Isaac and Jacob are all occupying um, kind of the same spot, the same patriarchal spot mm-hmm. um, for different yep. tribes that are then unified into one story. Right. Um, which is why and- I think you can kind of pass over Isaac in a sense. Because, again, in a sense, Isaac has a very similar narrative to that of Jacob.
2: Yeah. He has a very yeah.
1: similar narrative to that of
0: um, Adam even Cain and Abel mm-hmm. um uh, Abraham and Lot um a, a number yeah. of different ones yeah yeah
1: yeah um so similar storytelling um
0: but different names of characters sure yeah yeah and I think what we can draw theologically because the, this is the thing that I, I love about reading the Bible is is that um we can we can get into the weeds of like, you know, it, it matches other ancient Near and Eastern tradition. It matches, you know, separate tribal understandings of origins, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we can get a theological truth out of what's going on. And I think one of the main theological truths I see woven throughout Genesis is God still working to to bless his creation even through, like, broken family relationships, mm-hmm. even through, like, people who yeah. are, are murderers and, and all these things, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: Continuing with new creation in spite of ourselves.
0: Right, 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 right. Because, I mean, that's even present in the flood narrative, too, in saving Noah and his family and mm-hmm. and the animals of, like, he was not going to wipe out the entirety of, of creation. Um, right. So... So, yeah, Isaac, it turns out there's a little bit more in Isaac than we uh, had thought, Uh, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, so we have uh, Abraham giving birth to Isaac, uh, almost sacrificing him on the altar. Then we have Isaac and Ishmael having beef all throughout their lives. Uh, Isaac then gives birth to Jacob. And uh, Jacob's narrative can be found in chapters 27 through 36 of Genesis. And Jacob is... uh, would you say that jacob is the unifying figure of the israelites because i mean if you look at it um Mm. if we're thinking about like all these desperate uh stories of of origin i feel like jacob is the focal point because he is the father of the 12 tribes you know
1: you could say that yeah um your focal point, I feel, would imply a strong, strong emphasis on Jacob, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know, I don't know if there is mm. okay. as strong an emphasis as, you know, again, we were talking about Abraham, um, but then again, you know, Jacob does have. These moments with God, Jacob is the one to wrestle God. He he bears the name Israel, the the namesake mm-hmm. of the future nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I I think my response to you saying he's he's the focal point would be, um, yes and, and no um, at the same it. time. I think that Jacob's story is probably. How do I want to say this? It's probably less important than Jacob himself as a name for Israel. Does mm. that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. But but for for our viewers, go ahead and tease that out a little bit more.
1: Sure. Um, you know, obviously Israel is is a big deal um, in, in the the biblical narrative as it unfolds. Um, you mm. know, it's the nation of Israel. It is the the promise the promise to land, um, but Israel's name is first placed on Jacob by God. Jacob right. the person takes the name Israel right um, and gives birth to um, the the patriarchs of the twelve tribes,
0: essentially right. right. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up, um, because that's, that's one of the things that I was going to, to mention as one of the fascinating things about Jacob's narrative is, is that Jacob is, is his given name, but he, uh, is renamed Israel by, by God. And one of the things that I, I think is fascinating throughout the Bible is, is that whenever a character receives a new name by God, um, that's actually a literary clue as, uh, cluing us into to to say that God has now almost claimed dominion over that person and their, their life and their story. So they are no longer known as their old selves, but they are known by this new identity that God has given them. For instance, Abram, uh, Abraham was born Abram, and then he was given the name Abraham. Um, Jacob was born Jacob, but given the name uh, Israel, you have a a number of different examples throughout the Bible of God giving a new name. The apostle uh, Paul was born Saul so like whenever God gives you a new name, it's uh, a literary tool for us to understand that God is now taking um, dominion over that person's life and over that person's story and redeeming that person's story. Um, so I, I just wanted to, to mention that because yeah. I think it's a, a cool thing.
1: Yeah, I think put, put even more plainly, a, a name change in the Bible signifies that God is doing something new.
0: Yes, Hmm. Um. Okay. So, Jeremy, the <laughs> I'm looking at, at at our notes from for for this one. So, the big question, and again, mm-hmm. of course, there's there's so many questions that we could be asking. Apparently, not for right. Isaac though. Uh, we could be <laughs> asking all <of> these questions <laughs> for these different characters. But the question uh, we're going to be asking for Jacob is, what's the deal with Jacob stealing the birthright? Yeah. Yeah, Jacob and Esau. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the backstory so then we can understand what's going on here. Yeah, so you have
1: um, you have a couple giving birth to two sons who then have conflict.
0: Um, oh, that's, hmm, sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely new idea for a story. Um, the firstborn to Isaac is a dude named Esau. Esau mm-hmm. is a very... Uh, hairy man mm-hmm. um, and I probably should have pulled up the the actual verses for this description but he's very hairy he is very um, skilled with the bow he is mm-hmm. a hunter mm-hmm. um, and he's the firstborn
2: mm-hmm.
1: and thus entitled to um, Isaac's uh, capital his, Mm -hmm. his economic wealth his land which is the birthright yeah yeah right which when i was a kid i (laughs) when i was a kid i thought of a birthright and i thought of some kind of necklace with a jewel on it okay which sure that could be like representative but in my like kid mind like that was it that was the birthright it was just some like shiny necklace
0: (laughs) Um, walking around with some bling on your neck
1: yeah, yeah. Huh. Some, okay, some big crystal. I don't know why I thought okay. that. Okay. Um. But it, it kind of gives a, a tangible effort to to stealing the birthright. It's like, oh, okay, you know, Jacob, he mm. he he stole that necklace and he got right. But you know, much more. The birthright is much more than just some shiny necklace.
0: Right, right, right. Um. So so Esau born, hairy. He was born first, mm. and Jacob. His twin brother. How was it with Jacob? Um, <laughs> Jacob's kind of dumb, <laughs> just <laughs> to be honest.
1: Um, <laughs> why do you say that? <laughs> um, so okay. Here, here's here's the justification for that statement. Okay, Jacob. He. In his his story, is very much a trickster, mm. mm-hmm. but his the initial trick that he does to steal the birthright. Um, again, more context for the story: Isaac is is blind in his elderly age, right? Um, and Jacob seems fairly content with being second in line, but mm-hmm. then. Jacob's mother says, this is what you should do. You should put on um, animal furs or animal skins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go make yourself smelly like your brother mm-hmm. and go have your father bless you with the birthright right. and not um, Esau. Right. Um, so already Jacob is being tricked a little bit.
0: Mm hmm. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning here that both Jacob and Esau are very different. Like Esau, hairy, right. Harry, skilled with the bow, great hunter. Jacob is portrayed as smooth skin, uh, homebody, uh, knows yeah. how to make stew, apparently. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, apparently. And and uh, we know that Esau is Jacob, or uh, is um, Isaac's favorite, right. and Jacob is his mother's favorite. So you have this this rivalry going on uh, for a long time for this entire you know growing up together et cetera et cetera, um, and that's why uh, Isaac's uh, Jacob's mom is just like oh d- do this trick trick your father into giving you the blessing because you're my favorite essentially right 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 yeah which again very similar
1: story arc to Cain and Abel yeah Cain. Right. I get them mixed up so often. One is skilled with hunting; the other skilled with farming.
0: Uh, I believe it's um, Cain presents an offering of like meat and yeah, Abel yeah. presents an offering of of uh, like plants and, and veggies, and fruits and veggies, and that's God. God pleased like, with is, that what one. What the heck, man? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah. All that said, Jacob is is encouraged to trick his father Mm -hmm. um and you see this go
0: down in his old age when he's when his senses aren't about him right
1: yeah so you you see this happen um this sets jacob up on a very wild trajectory he he steals the birthright and then immediately is fearful for his life so he runs away Mm -hmm. um which fair move, but also you didn't have to do that to begin with. So maybe. But then fast forward even down the line, Jacob is is tricked by his own sons. Right. Right. So, you know, my my call out of Jacob being mm. dumb has more to do with the you know, the idea of like, oh, you know, quote, history repeats itself. Like,
0: okay, yeah, sure. But also
1: like, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's actually a, a good point because I think what we've talked about of like God using uh, broken people to to bless the world, regardless of their brokenness, I think is is present in in Jacob's life too. Because, like you said, he he's a trickster, almost almost like a a Loki type figure um, yeah. in in Hebrew uh, history, um, yeah. where. He he uses this this great um, methods of tricking his brother, and I mean, we didn't even get into the like, uh, "Hey, you're hungry? Give me your birthright, and I'll give you some soup." Like <laughs> that's right, right. it's like you you think you think uh, um, Jacob's dumb? East Esau's kind of dumb too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that like you
1: you start peeling the layers back on that, and no mm-hmm. biblical character except Jesus is you know smart.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah totally um but what i was saying was that this this idea that uh jacob is a trickster and then he's tricked by his sons i think that's that has more to 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 say about um i guess the hereditary consequences of sin um than it does about sure, the, I mean, the blessing of god yeah which that comes up later on with mm-hmm. um
1: god and exodus declaring you know i will bless you know, the descendants to whatever degree, and I will curse, um, right? The offspring to whatever degree, right? Right, um, very crude <laughs> explanation of that passage. But also, we're not in Exodus yet, so right,
0: that's next check time. Us out next time. <laughs> <laughs> little, little uh, plug to, to next time's yeah. episode. I love yeah. it, I love it. Um, okay, so. Oh uh the last thing i wanted to mention about jacob is i think one of the the theological truths that we can draw from it that is actually a very very beautiful one is um his reconciliation to esau um mm. you know later on because basically yeah. like you said he runs away he takes his wealth with him uh and then i forget if it's a famine or whatever causes him to go back and uh he's in the land that his brother uh supposedly owns and he sends uh <laughs> um tributes to him. Like he sends like a bunch of gifts and a bunch of servants and stuff like that to to try and like dis uh dissuade him from attacking. To uh, just right. dis- dissu- dissuade Esau from attacking him, right? So uh Jacob is a little like uh nervous of like oh like I'll send him all this and I'll send you know uh messengers in front of me and they'll report back to me and and stuff like that. And my favorite thing is when the messengers get back to Jacob, they're just like yeah, we, we gave everything to Esau and he's, he's coming with like 400 armed men. (laughs) Yeah. So like all of a sudden Jacob is like, Oh man, this sucks. Like he, he divide, he tells his wives to like get out of Dodge and like get to protection, get to somewhere safe. Um, But then he, Jacob wrestles with the angel. That's, that's the story where we get Jacob wrestling with the angel. Um, Jacob's like wrestling all night. He's just like, I won't let go until you bless me. And then the angel touches his uh, hip socket and um, how, how, How's it described? Uh his wonky <laughs> hip. His wonky hip. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, but uh fiddle said that at a kids oh, camp uh one okay. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so shout out Danny Fiddleson, uh our youth pastor growing up. He's the uh great guy. Um it's so funny. Uh yeah. F- fiddle's great. Um,
1: um but
0: but anyway, speak. sorry, let me let me finish my thought real quick. Sure, sure. Um so one of the things that I found really interesting about that story of Jacob wrestling with the angel is when his socket is touched and he like collapses and he's blessed, etc. Um, that actually is the reason why uh, in Israelite tradition, they did not eat the tendons of, of the animal. Um, mm-hmm. Because the thought was, is like, that was, that was the part of Jacob that was, that was touched by the angel. So that's, you shouldn't eat it. So I thought that was right. an interesting tie in. So, anyway, yeah. sorry, go ahead. What, what, what's up?
1: Yeah, so to speak to that one, that you know, you'll find little nuggets like that throughout scripture. Just, you know, oh, and this is why this is like that. And, um, uh, you know, definitely tendons in the leg, in the hip, um, speak to that for sure. Right. Um, yeah, Jacob, he, he, you know, we've said this whole time, he, he's an interesting kind of character with you know, a history of, of tricking and being tricked um but this story of the of the wrestling with god that is where he gets his name israel right um and that happened this 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 is what happens um jacob flees to his his uncle uh, laban who i'll talk Mm -hmm. about later spoilers um -hmm. um, and then he, he tricks laban after being tricked by laban and then He's going to return, mm-hmm. um, to to the land that his brother is in, and the story of him wrestling the angel happens right before his reconciliation with Esau. So there's um there's probably a million sermons out there talking about reconciliation and and you know Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a very popular Sunday school story, um, mm-hmm. excluding a lot. Of the, the story. A lot.
0: <laughs> a lot of the um, story. Yep.
1: But it, you know, it, it's again one of these stories. It's very, it can be very tightly interpreted as right. okay, you know, these brothers, they had their conflict and then after time they came back together and they reconciled to one another. That's mm-hmm. a very beautiful story. That's a very whole story. It's a very healing story. Right. But what's often overlooked. And I think especially with um, Jacob wrestling the angel of the Lord is that AKA AKA the Lord. Maybe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, But what people I think often forget is that Jacob's hip is, is (laughs) it it doesn't work for like the rest of his life. Like it doesn't. It doesn't explicitly state that. Right. But Jacob is walking with a limp for, a, a, I, I would assume, the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because not just like, this is not a, a a take one for the team hit by pitch in baseball. This is straight up the angel of the Lord zapping your hip. I right. don't know if that's something you come back from. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, not at all. So, this this again, kind of kind of digging up more theological hairs here. There's a reality that in being given the new name of Israel, yes, something new is happening, but you still carry the past with you. Yeah. It yeah, yeah. carries his his. his his, um, his past li- figuratively, but also in a way, very literally, in him, in his hurt hip. Yeah. You know, every yeah, yeah. time he places weight on that hip, he is likely reminded of his wrestling with God. And again, literal in this story, but figurative. Wrestling with God is, is hard work. Yeah. And, and it's stuff that is not held lightly.
0: Right and I would venture to say too that if you wrestle with God and you come away from it unscathed, then did you really wrestle with God? Right. You know, whether that be a a wonky hip as fiddle says, (laughs) or uh, a life changing moment, I, I feel like it's impossible to wrestle with God and come away the same. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just to, to wrap up the, the story of Jacob, um, well, I want to hear about Laban, but uh, what I was going to say about his reconciliation with Esau is my favorite story in all of scripture is the prodigal son, um, mm-hmm. especially in the gospel of Luke. Uh, I believe it's Luke 15. And um, I think that Jacob and Esau's reconciliation is almost a, a similar um, context or a similar, uh, I don't know, a literary landscape that the prodigal son is, where you have this return of somebody who has has wronged the the person in charge in this case it, it was jacob wronging esau and fleeing um so you have him returning to the land of esau and expecting the worst and then to be greeted with open arms uh like that's yeah. that it's to me that's just such a beautiful uh um reminder of the reconciliation that that god has with us like if we if we wander if we uh yeah. leave the fold of God and we come back. Uh we don't have to fear God's anger because God is is there with open arms. So
1: yeah. You know, so Ecclesiastes later talks about God impressing himself upon humanity. Um and we see that in these stories of reconciliation. We see that in these stories of healing and mm-hmm. and um you know, reuniting brothers. Um, Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing too, is that this, you know, you you described it as this literary landscape. It's not just biblical. It's, it's, it's deeper than
0: that. It's spiritual to the very core of being a human. Right. So it's, Um, it's not, it's not simply literary. It it has spiritual realities mixed up in it. Okay. that are found in the bible but right. also outside of the bible right right and that's uh that's actually uh, a really good point because i think that the bible is unique i, I want to make that absolutely clear the bible is very unique in in a number of different ways i don't think it has monopoly on stories though in right. terms of like telling stories that are deeply profound. Like for instance, Mm -hmm. there. think about it like in terms of music, like there are songs that speak to the soul that aren't songs about God. Um, but I think what, what it does is it taps into this deeper reality, like you were saying of what it means to be a creature created by God. Um, that's why, uh, my, my entire Instagram feed for Thursday's theology is reading these comics. And even though they're not theological in nature, the stories that these comics portray speak to, to deeper human truths that yeah. really highlight different aspects of who God is. In. And I love doing that. I love being able to pick out those stories because the authors didn't, like Stan Lee and, and a, a number of different comic authors didn't write, like, how can we like represent God in, in our story? Like, that's not, that's not what they're doing. Yeah. They're speaking to a deeper human story. Um, and I would argue that that deeper human story is reflected in the uh stories of the Bible, but not exclusively right so um so talk to us about Laban
1: no, I have to save that for later oh really yeah,
0: oh all right it's, <laughs> it's
1: not later. really about Laban
0: later as in later in this episode or later as in a different episode
1: uh later in this episode
0: oh okay well yeah we're uh <laughs> I guess we'll move on then.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: Move, move on.
1: Let's get going, man. All
0: right. Got so of, got a lot of terito- territory to cover. <laughs> all right. So Jacob uh, wrestles with God, given the name Israel. Um, then he comes to the land of Canaan, I believe, um, and settles down. And he has uh, twelve sons. Which Jacob and sons. Jacob and sons, now, the thing about sons in the old testament we we talked a little bit about it last time, but your family lineage, your family line was passed along through the son, so to have one son or two sons that was like great, like your lineage was secure, but to have twelve sons is a showing of absolute abundance, so it's not I want to be very clear to say that uh, Jacob having twelve sons is a huge clue for us to to, uh, understand like, oh, that we begin to, we, we are beginning to see the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, uh, by how many sons Jacob has. So Jacob has quick pop
1: quiz. Can you yeah. name all 12?
0: No, <laughs> uh, let's, let's try Let's try No, no notes. Uh, I mean, well, I don't even have their names on there. Well, okay. I,
1: I can probably do it.
0: Okay. Let's go, go for it.
1: All right, Reuben was the eldest of the children of Israel. I mean, Levi next to come, um, Issachar and uh, Gad this is out of order now because I forgot the lyrics to that song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reuben, Levi, Dan—that's a new one. Um, 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 Judah, Joseph. Benjamin, man, I'm doing so good.
0: Um, Have you mentioned Levi?
1: Yeah, man. Seminary Levi. Oh yeah, that's right. That's
0: right.
1: Uh, yeah, I give up. There are three others. Zebulon.
0: No, I said that, dude. Oh, okay. We can do this, Jeremy. We're we're (laughs) we both went to seminary. We should be able to do this. Awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh Asher. Asher, yeah. Um I have a student named Asher.
0: If you're listening, what's up, dude? Nice. What's up, Asher? Yeah. Uh Asher. Um Hey, 10 out of 12 is not bad. That's a passing grade. 10 out of
1: 13.
0: 10 out of 13, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um Simeon. No, I said that dude. Simeon, guy dang it. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move okay. on. Anyway, 12 sons of, 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 Israel. We got, we got a
1: passing grade maybe.
0: Yeah. A passing grade. Sure. Let's go with that.
1: <laughs> we need to go back and watch more like adventures in odyssey or something. <laughs> oh God. Veggie
0: tales, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Israel gives birth to 12 slash 13 sons. Uh, Joseph is the youngest of them all. Uh, Well, second youngest, but his younger brother is born after he's like told when his story
1: starts. He's the
0: well, yeah, when his stories start, yeah, exactly. He's the youngest, he's the he's 12 out of 12. Um, now being the 12th son means you would not get any inheritance. We should also specify though,
1: Joseph is the youngest, Mm -hmm. but his mother is also Jacob's favorite wife. Oh. Interesting, and you, that, and you heard that correct, favorite wife, meaning he had multiple wives,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Jacob did. I think mm-hmm. four, spe-
0: four specifically, and probably more. Right, right. Not counting concubines or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about that dynamic is if you remember Isaac's mom, Isaac was, or Jacob was his mother's favorite.
1: Yeah. Big so, history so, of favoritism.
0: Yeah, there's a history of favoritism. But anyway, Joseph being twelve out of twelve means that he should not have gotten any inheritance. He shouldn't have gotten anything. He should would have been the lowest on the totem pole, uh, lowest in the pecking order, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But Joseph is Jacob's favorite and he dotes upon Joseph. Um, in fact, uh, we get this idea of a multicolored coat being given to Joseph. It's actually not multicolored, it's just it's just a fancy coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but, um, no Technicolor jo- dreams, no Technicolor dreams, even though Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat solid musical. Um, so, but anyway, the point being, uh, Joseph is Jacob's favorite, and he um, has a series of dreams. Joseph's story comprises the, the last part of Genesis, chapters 37 through 50, and okay. Joseph's story sets up what will become the Exodus narrative later on because where genesis chapter 50 ends is uh jacob and joseph and all of israel moving to egypt to escape famine and settling down in egypt so that brings us to exodus which we'll get into next time but joseph is the last story arc of genesis um so (laughs) the, the question i wrote down is very deeply and very profoundly theological you ready for this jeremy
1: Yeah, let's get there.
0: The profound and deep theological question that I have for us to answer about Joseph is, why is Joseph such a punk? (laughs) Yeah,
1: so very profound. Mm -hmm. Um, Depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of you at home, keep in mind, Jeff is the older brother here. I am the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, that said joseph is is very is a very absurd character, yeah um, much like many other biblical characters, but Joseph in particular mm-hmm. um, you know I think a lot of the times we hear the the Joseph story, which um, keep the Joseph story in mind when you're reading uh, books of the Bible that have to do with the exile. Um, th- this is a very short, uh, well, not short. This is a tangent um, that we won't dive into. But, dude, give us give us the TLDR of the exile. TLDR of the exile?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, even that's difficult. <laughs> Biblical okay. narrative wise, mm-hmm. Israel. <laughs> this is gonna be good. Biblical narrative wise, Israel. Stocks up wealth, stocks up weapons, takes care of a very small group of elites while marginalizing um, and uh, othering those who are sick, those who are um, poor, those who are... um, from other ethnic backgrounds and nations mm-hmm. um as well as 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 the, the bible puts it plainly as not caring for the orphan and the widow right, right um but there's a lot more political and economic and and militarization that's going on right, um, right you know this might sound familiar if, if if you're looking at history or or today um, um what <laughs> yeah this this doesn't sound familiar at all the the store putting up storehouses of wealth and and weapons um so this goes down the profits come out of the woodwork saying like hey you might not want to do that the aristocracy says uh no we we want to hey shut up you (laughs) and the prophets say okay well if you do there's going to be very clear again tangible repercussions
0: that happen right Um, this this bubble is going to burst at some point right Um, and then then the later prophets come along and say you really don't want to be doing what you're doing
1: (laughs) yeah and then the bubble bursts Mm -hmm. um Babylon invades, takes off um, takes Israel's um, uh merchant class, takes their yeah, their the best the best and brightest. Yeah. Um takes their creative class of of Israelites, pushes them into exile in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um along with destroying Israel for the most part. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, and then the prophets that come after that say, you, you're done messed up. <laughs> but also there's some hope for the future.
0: Right. That's a popular line in Jeremiah. <laughs> Which uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for those of you who don't know, is one of, I would say, one of the most often misquoted and misinterpreted passages of the entire Bible.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. Definitely one, one, of most,
1: one of the most miscontextualized.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so so why, why are we talking about the exile?
1: So uh, we're talking about the exile because I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, trying to connect it to the Joseph story. And here's why. In the exile, the stories that are most often, um, um, I don't want to use worship here. The, the stories that are most often revered Mm-hmm. um are the ones of a jewish person in a foreign court and 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 i mean that in royal terms mm-hmm. not like like you know dribbling you know dunking on you know the babylonians <laughs> um <laughs> also that'd be pretty good i could would, see daniel yeah Dan, daniel could probably hoop it up
0: a lot um, daniel, daniel has a sick crossover
1: <laughs> yeah 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 But in the Babylonian ankles, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, so you see Daniel, you see, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you see Esther, Mm -hmm. these are exilic characters who use their positioning to better the the plight of their people. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is this is this is how you are good later on in the exilic literature. Mm -hmm. Like this is how you are, are, this is, this is the best standard of how to function as a human being. Right. When the world is collapsing around you. Right. It's positioning yourself against power, against oppression Mm -hmm. in an effort to better your people. Right right um looking at this purely through the the hebrew canon lens that people is the jewish people looking Mm -hmm. at it through um and this is probably putting too much clout on on an exclusively christian lens um because this is probably also true of the the hebrew lens as well Mm -hmm. um but your people are are those around you. Your people are those in need. Mm-hmm. Um. So you have again these tropes, these story arcs of of an Israelite in a foreign court doing ex- exceptionally well, surprising the powers, um, the powers at hand with how good their God is and how good their life is.
0: Right, and that's that's an important thing to to. Um remind people of like even in the story of daniel uh it's not how daniel is great in and of himself it's his reverence of god it's his rejection of babylonian dietary or babylonian or syrian i forgot i think it's babylonian um yeah (laughs) but but anyway (laughs) um but like his his rejection of that um. Serves as a witness to to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and
1: and, yeah. and this kind of kind of theological justification ties all the way back to Exodus. Um, so before again Exodus before we tie this back to Joseph, we'll tie it to Exodus in that it very explicitly states in the Exodus story that the reason for the plagues, the reason for Pharaoh's heart being hardened is so that the Egyptian people might see the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Which we hear this, and that's a very counterintuitive approach.
0: Which is actually, spoiler alert, that's one of the questions I have for our next episode. (laughs) But go on, go on. uh,
1: But this counterintuitive approach continues throughout the exilic story right mm-hmm. you know daniel like you're saying it's not about daniel it's about how good god is right. and really it's a it's a power play because the the way the ancient Near East, eastern theology functioned at the time is you know our god is the best our god is the strongest it turns out that your god is usually associated with how strong your army is so Babylon right. had a really strong god when mm-hmm. they invaded israel And then Israel, they had to reinterpret how their powerful God who brought them up out of Egypt, you know, slayed the Egyptians up to the bottom of the Red Sea. They had to comprehend how that God was conquered by a foreign power. Right. So it became this, this, this theological, this, this new theological development of, well, we messed up. We didn't listen to God. So God. Our God is way more powerful because he's allowing us to be here. He's allowing you to take us into right. exile.
0: Which is a completely like backwards way of thinking how, mm-hmm. how gods work.
1: Which, again, when your world is crumbling down around you, mm-hmm. either your beliefs fail you or your beliefs change. hmm Mm-hmm. Um. So that tangent, all we're gonna bring it back, a string <laughs> a line back to Joseph. Joseph, um, Joseph occupies this the, occupies the same space. He occupies mm-hmm. the same trope, the same literary narrative of a Jewish person in the court of a foreign power. Mm-hmm. Uh, only this foreign power is Egypt. Who mm-hmm. also in um the biblical story, Egypt is the dominant power <laughs> egypt is the the um, political military um, industrial complex of the ancient near east mm-hmm. um, only later eclipsed by Assyria and then
0: babylon mm-hmm. um, in fact it's it's israel's later uh, allyship with Egypt that causes Assyria right. to, to invade right. them in the first place. Right.
1: Which also, keep in mind throughout the Old Testament, Egypt is also always are almost exclusively referred to as the bad guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, which Which makes it really interesting because then Solomon, at the height of Israel's power, marrying the daughter right. of the pharaoh So, But, again, we'll talk about that when it comes to it.
1: Yeah. Um, So let's circle all the way back to Joseph. Joseph, Mm -hmm. the the 30,000-foot view of his story, which is too high and skips over a lot of details, Uh, Joseph is thrown into a pit in the ground by his brothers, sold into slavery, um, gets accused of rape, um mm-hmm. thrown into jail for life for life and then somehow becomes second in command of Egypt okay
0: <laughs> only only after and and this is the the part of Joseph's story that I always find hilarious only after he saves the um the the uh baker cup, no, cup no, the cupbearer cup the cupbearer cup of the king of the of pharaoh only after he saves the cupbearer of pharaoh who he says, when you get out, remember me. <laughs> and then homie straight up forgets. And then when Pharaoh's having these bad dreams, like years and years and years later, he's just like, oh yeah, there was a guy in prison that I met that could interpret yeah. dreams. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ted, um, yeah, Joseph interprets dreams. Um, when he's young, his dreams of, of glory and his older brothers are like, what the heck, man? You don't even work in the fields with us. And keep in mind, Joseph is not like a little kid. He's not like a five-year-old punk in the way most five-year-olds can be punks when they're, Mm -hmm. you know, doted upon.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, He's like a (laughs) – he's not a grown man, but he's, like, fairly grown Mm -hmm. for some of the stuff he's trying to pull in the early part of the story. Right, right, right. Um, No tact – Or a lot of tech, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. his story is very iconic Mm -hmm. again because it occupies that literary trope of a Jewish person in a foreign court.
0: Right. That, and I also think it it occupies the the literary trope that is also uh, the least being exalted. Right. Right. because, you know, you, you see throughout all scripture, especially in in Jesus's teaching, you know, in order to be first, you must be last in order to uh, lead, you must serve, you know, all, all those, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, uh, what we call upside down kingdom theologies. Right. Um, some of them are present throughout the Old Testament, especially in Joseph of like, Joseph is the least of his brothers, there's no reason why he should be elevated to any sort of prominence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but he ends up being the second in command and ends up saving his entire family um and yet again we see another uh instance of reconciliation with joseph and his brothers where joseph has the legal egyptian right to have his brothers put to death like that's just straight up his his prerogative and yet he chooses Mm -hmm. not to so
2: um
0: i think there's something we haven't even touched upon yet but is very present throughout the the genesis narrative is just how close the covenant of God with Israel and Abraham and and all all the subsequent people almost fails because of one thing or another. Like if if Joseph would have died in prison or if Joseph would have put his brothers to death or sure. if Isaac would have been killed by Esau, you know, like all or Jacob be killed by Esau. Like there's all these um moments where things could go terribly wrong and they mm-hmm. and they don't. So yeah. Which there's
1: I think among many stories that could be told, there are two big ones that come out of that kind of thinking that you're bringing up of like so many opportunities for the story to go wrong Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in light of God's promise. One story says yes things have come close before
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and kind of lives in in a in a scarcity mentality at times of you know what if this went wrong what if that went wrong right um which places very precise moments and precise action and precise historicity mm-hmm. to the b- biblical narrative, which I think mm-hmm. is fine, um, but something that I've been coming to a lot in the last few years um, since starting seminary is that God has set a trajectory for humanity, which mm. ultimately results in reconciliation mm. and and you know the kingdom of heaven um, being on earth. Mm-hmm. um and And I really envision that as just like an unstoppable train, where mm-hmm. at every turn at every every stop, God is inviting us to get on this train to get mm-hmm. to get um you know involved in this movement involved in this moment right um, but whether or not we participate, and this is the beauty of of the beauty and the grace of the situation, I believe. Whether or not we choose to participate, that train is still going in that direction.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: And and, and this is where the two kind of thought process, I think, differ. For the first one, that is more of that scarcity mentality of like, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens so precisely. It has to work out this way, otherwise it'll fail right right eh, it it might <laughs> like yeah, it could ultimately that train is still heading that direction so you're so in one thought process it's almost acting out of out of fear mm-hmm. almost acting mm-hmm. out of um i have to make the right decision yeah i have yeah, yeah. to i have to reconcile i have to do this because if i don't the, the collateral and the outcome might be uh, terrible, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is very fearful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very selfish if you think about it, mm-hmm. because it, it places the the responsibility, the onus, the the um, power of change with ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On the flip side, though.
1: God is that train toward reconciliation. Mm-hmm. and if If we already fundamentally understand that that's the direction of where things are going,
2: mm-hmm.
1: We can feel very uh, demeaned by that maybe and being like, oh, it's not up to
0: me." It's right. not
1: the, the very thread of cosmic reality is
0: not my responsibility <laughs> or that the, the world and the universe and everything. And it doesn't revolve around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where
1: I think the grace and empowerment and joy mm. come from. Mm. Jesus is never encountering people and telling them you're one mess up away from being kicked off of this train. Right, right. At every turn, he's saying, there's something new going on here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Come and join it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're ready for that, you are welcomed on that long and difficult and and joyful journey. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus never, never panders to people. He never... <laughs> he never... <laughs> he never strings people along when they're not ready
2: mm-hmm.
1: he turns mm-hmm. quite a number of people away or yeah. at least i should say he allows them to turn away
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i actually think that that's a, a perfect place to to wrap up um because i think one of the well we'll get to, to last call in a second um so we'll we'll have our final thoughts of, of genesis and, and all that sort of stuff but um one of the things uh, I wanted to take time to to mention, cause yeah, we should, you know, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> uh, don't want to have to do a Genesis part three episode. <laughs> um, so favorite stories of Genesis. I want to try and do this with every book because I want to try and remember to highlight, you know, what do we enjoy reading about it? Um, so like I said earlier, we, you and I try, tend to find like the really, really niche quirky stories. Uh, found in the bible and that is the case in my favorite story of genesis and my favorite story in genesis has nothing to do with any of the characters we've talked about my favorite story in genesis uh, happens in genesis chapter 14 with uh abram is involved in the story but the story uh, is of who he encounters and he encounters a priestly king named melchizedek and uh, melchizedek is only mentioned for a few verses in chapter 14 and then the only other time he's mentioned is uh in the book of hebrews in the in the new testament saying that jesus is a priest in the line of melchizedek and that's that's all that's all we get about melchizedek so um i'm not even gonna deep dive deep into melchizedek i just think it's a great story so that's my favorite story (laughs) what Um, about you jeremy
1: um My favorite story comes from uh, chapter 31 of Genesis. Um, But before I get there, one little fun factoid about Melchizedek. Um, Yeah. If you're, if you're ever wondering, is this character in the Bible? mm, This might be too aggressive. Is this character in the Bible literal or not? Mm -hmm, mm Um names bear a lot of significance in yep. in the bible yep um, melchizedek uh, translates to um king of righteousness um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when you have this like really important priest dude show up and his name is king of righteousness there might be bigger things going on in the story
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly which, again, like, we could we could even do a whole series on, like, literary narrative and the mm-hmm. tools used. But anyway. Okay, yeah. so Genesis 31. What's in Genesis 31? So Genesis 31. This is where Laban comes in. Nice. Okay. Oh, nice. Tying it full circle. <laughs> yeah. So
1: Jacob um, flees Esau, scared for his life. He runs to his uncle, Laban. Mm-hmm. Um, Laban gets tricked. Or, or <laughs> he gets tricked. but But he tricks Jacob first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, after some very intentional breeding of sheep, um,
0: I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, after some very intentional breeding of sheep, mm-hmm. Jacob decides, "Okay, I'm gonna gonna leave Laban now, having stolen legally because um, mm-hmm. they made a deal about it, but having stolen the." lion's share of his, his capital in, in mm-hmm. sheep and, and isn't is not
0: the sheep that stayed with laban aren't they like sickly too like aren't they like yeah not i think so strong yeah 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 the thing that comes up i
1: think is like oh if it's a spotted sheep i'll take it and right. then jacob intentionally breeds more spotted sheep right um that's where jacob gets his wealth you
0: know ripping off his uncle Again, tr- um, tricking him, so in, in the right. line of Jacob's story. Yeah.
1: yeah, but that's not even my favorite part of the story. Um, when Jacob is leaving Laban with his two wives, who are his cousins. Um,
0: and our sisters with each other. Correct. <laughs> um, Old Testament's weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm forgetting if it's Rachel
1: or Leah. I think it's Rachel she steals laban's um idols um yeah 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 household idols his household idols they're regional gods yeah um and this is this is uh a very strong move on her part Mm -hmm. Um, because laban having agreed to you know let jacob go uh with with all this wealth he sees that his household idols are gone, and he, he chases after them. Yeah. Um, yeah, And this is where my favorite part comes up. Um, Laban is investigating. He's searching for his household idols, and they are in the saddle bag of Rachel. Rachel's saddle bag. They're, yeah. they're there. Um, so Laban's hounding around for these idols. Rachel is sitting on her saddlebag and says laban forgive your servant for not standing um i i'm having my period i'm having <laughs> my menstrual <laughs> cramps right now mm-hmm. and laban is like okay good enough like you know, i won't bother <laughs> you uh-huh. um and they get away with laban's household idols because of this
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um and you know, a lot could be said about um, this story, about mm-hmm. this circumstance, but mm-hmm. I think something it reveals the most is that, like, yeah, these stories are written by humans.
0: Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and I think we're we're going to be revisiting this this idea throughout because um, I, I don't doubt that the Bible is is the story of who God is. Um, mm-hmm. However, something we have to keep in mind is, is that it is also uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but written by human hands. So there, there are these things that we have to, to remember, like, oh, yeah, humans are weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, all right. Time for last call. Um, right. Last call is uh, how we're ending each episode of The Grain Offering with just some final thoughts and final Except ideas. Except the first one. Except the first one, because we didn't have any final ideas, because we didn't get to it. (laughs) Um, So last call for me, Jeremy, is um, talking about Joseph in particularly. I think that Joseph uh, plays an important literary role in the story of Jesus. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, there's something to be said about Joseph, um, characters in the Old Testament, but Joseph in particular, having some sort of almost a prototype of who jesus is or a foreshadowing of who jesus is albeit an imperfect one but a foreshadowing nonetheless so this idea of of joseph going to the lowest of the low being thrown into prison for life and and having to basically rot there for the rest of his life and then being elevated to second in command i think parallels the story of jesus uh descending into the grave for three days and then uh, ascending to the right hand of God, the second, you know, in command of, of, everything, you know? So, uh, I think that as we go throughout the old Testament, we'll see more and more parallels to Jesus. Um, that's not saying Joseph, Joseph is Jesus because he is a broken sinful person. But again, using that redemptive story, that reconciliation story, uh, as a foreshadowing to the, the ultimate, uh, King, uh, found in Jesus so that's that's my last thought for for the book of Genesis what about you
1: when I think of Genesis I think of just a long history of, of, of family drama mm. um, and you know I think we hear a lot of the stories from Genesis in like Sunday school or in you know kind of Sunday morning illusions and worship. Um, because of that, I think mm-hmm. the stories are incredibly relatable when uh, you zoom out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I think of Genesis and what I think my final call on Genesis would be, is that it packs a lot in there. You know, we we've spent. Two episodes now, talking about Genesis, and we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and this is true of the entire Bible, but I think especially of Genesis. There's a lot of stuff in there yeah. that
0: you just have to dig
1: through and 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 wrestle with.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's just there's there's a variety of things too it's like it's it's not just one thing mm-hmm. rehashed over and over it's so many yeah. different things
1: yeah and in different types of literature, like you know i judges is there there's a lot of judges you skip over there's a lot of of stories that you skip over in judges, but like they're all kind of the same story in mm-hmm. uh, in one way or another Genesis you just you flip them through and and you find a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's an incredibly difficult book to read. Let's yeah. let's let's state that, put that out there.
0: And hard as in like not necessarily hard to comprehend, more so hard to do justice to it.
1: Mhm. Again, zoomed out, the stories make a lot of sense. You can extract a lot of good moral nuggets. But you'll miss or I, say, I should say you can miss the deeper truths that would have been very obvious for the tellers of these stories.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I think that that's gonna be a common thing that we, we come back to a lot uh, in these videos is gonna be um, don't take it for surface value because if you do, you're gonna miss a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? You'll maybe
1: feel like pretty good, but
0: feeling pretty good only lasts so long and can only get you so far exactly exactly yep um all right well we have come to the end of our discussion of genesis finally uh, only took us two and a half hours or three hours however long we've been talking um but uh thank you for joining us Uh, make sure to to subscribe to our channel if you want more of these really nerdy discussions over beer um if you (laughs) If you have any uh, questions or want to answer the questions that we brought up in the, in the video, just drop it in the comment section down below. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but other than that, um, I'm ready for our tagline. Are you sure? <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, this is no, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm Jeff and I'm Jeremy. And this has been our grain offering. Cheers.